Quest Community Church, living life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel of John, verses 1 through 18 and 29 through 34 from the Message Bible. The Word was first. The Word present to God, God present to the Word. The Word was God, in readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through Him. Nothing, not one thing, came into being without Him. And what came into existence was life. And the life was the light to live by. And that life light blazed out of the darkness, and the darkness couldn't put it out. There once was a man, and his name was John. He was sent by God to point the way to the light, to show everybody where to look and what to believe in. John himself was not the light. He was there to point the way to the light. The life light was the real thing. And every person entering life, he brought into the light. He was in the world, and the world was there through him, and the world didn't even notice. He came to his own people, and they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, whoever believed that he was who he claimed and would do what he said, those he made to be their true selves, their child of God selves. These are the God-begotten, They are not blood begotten. They are not flesh begotten. They are not sex begotten. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And we saw the glory of God with our own eyes. The one of a kind glory. Like father, like son. Generous inside and out. True from start to finish. John pointed to him and said, this is the one. This is the one I've been telling you about. The one that came after me, but was really before me. He's always been before me. He's always had the first word. We live off of his generous bounty. Gift after gift after gift. We got the basics from Moses, but then this exuberant giving and receiving. This endless knowing and understanding. This came from Jesus, the Messiah. No one's ever seen God, not so much as a glimpse, but this one-of-a-kind God expression exists at the very heart of the Father and has made him plain as day. Verses 29 through 34 go on to tell us that the very next day, John saw Jesus coming and he yelled, this is God's Passover lamb, the one that forgives the sins of the world. This is the man that I've been telling you about, the one that comes after me, but was really before me. And I know only this, that I was sent to get Israel ready to recognize the God revealer. And then John clenches his witness with this. He said, I saw the spirit like a dove descending down and making himself at home in him. Again, I know nothing except this, the one that authorized me to baptize with water. told me the one on whom I see the spirit come down and stay 
That's the one that's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what I saw happen. And I'm here to tell you, this is the Son of God. Good morning, Quest. Good morning, Quest. There you are. Yes. Well, um, I'm happy to be here this morning to uh, to be able to preach. Today is Pentecost Sunday. I don't know how many of you know uh, what Pentecost Sunday is, but we are going to be talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit today. And and uh, when I was growing up, uh, when I walked into a church and I saw the communion elements sitting out, uh, I, I would be overwhelmed by emotion. Thoughts and feelings and excitement, all kinds of emotions would stir up inside of me. You, you see, as an adolescent, communion meant only one thing for me, a shorter message is really what it boiled down to. See, yeah, it's true. Uh, the, the church I grew up in, every Sunday was this routine. And, and, and any kind of irregularity in that structure provided me just a little bit of excitement. And uh, if I'm honest, my greatest longing back in those days was to get out of church and back into my normal routine of playing outside and eating sandwiches. Um, so on those days when I would walk in and see the elements set up, uh, it was a little victory for me, uh, a victory because the pastor wasn't going to speak as long as he usually did. And because my dad was an usher at the church, it meant that while communion was happening, there were less, um, two less eyes looking at me as I was doodling on the back of the offering envelopes, those little war scenes with tanks and all kinds of stuff. And it was, it was glory. I loved communion. Um, but actually, to be honest, it would be years before I really understood the full meaning of communion and uh, could actually say that I loved it. But even still, God was using that moment, those Sundays, to show me a picture of what Jesus' love was all about and how he surrounds us with his presence. You see... In the church that I grew up in, there was an altar that kind of surrounded the pulpit right here. And, and whenever um, anyone would come to receive communion, they would walk up and, and kneel down at the altar. And because my dad was an usher, uh, he would give my family the elements and then he would come around us and stretch his arms uh, and surround us with his arms there and then pray for us as we received communion. Now, uh, even before I knew it, Jesus was showing me his love through my dad and through my dad's prayers. And despite the fact that all my childlike mind was capable of focusing on was going home and playing with my friends, Jesus still, in that moment, offered me his love right there in the middle of my church's routine. It's interesting that, that God comes to us in, into our world right in the middle of our mundane lives. The, the routine, you know, the ho-hum, the mundane, our everyday comings and goings, we've all got them, some form, right? You know, work, play, family, washing dishes, mowing lawns, shuttling kids to the soccer fields, you know what I'm talking about, cutting the crust off the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, um, changing dirty diapers, filling out the TPS reports, going to staff meetings, balancing the checkbooks, all kinds of stuff, checking the Twitter feed, pinning on Pinterest, ladies, you know, uh-huh. Watching Psych on TV, that's just the Ottomans. Um, I, I, don't know, I don't know what your routine is uh, or what your mundane is, but know this. This is where Jesus came 
to meet us. Listen to this passage again from John 1. Thank you, Sharon, for reading this morning. He was in the world. The world was here through him, and yet the world didn't even notice. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. He came right to us, right here in the middle of our lives. Now think about that for a moment. This is the very same God that created everything that we see and know. Everything. He had everything. A throne. He had joy. There was no pain, no suffering. Perfection in the community of the Trinity. Perfection. And he came down right into the middle of our mundane lives. And he met us right here in our broken routine for just one purpose. And one purpose only. And every day, everywhere we go and everything we do, he meets with us in our routine. The question I have for you this morning is, do you see him? Do you hear him? Are you looking for him? Or does John 1.10 ring true for you, just as it did for me when I was younger? And the world didn't even notice. See, the bad news for so many of us isn't that we don't want God, but rather that we're so consumed with the routine that we forget to engage with him, and eventually we have to relearn how to even recognize him. And in those moments when we finally see him, we get startled. Let me tell you something. I don't want to live a life where I move from moment to moment by being startled by God. No, I I want to be looking for him in every little bit of my routine so much that, that I see him all the time. In fact, I want God to be my routine in life. How about you? See, Jesus sacrificed perfection to come to us for one reason. A man that was free of sin, not born like anyone else, perfection, who came to lay down his life for anyone who would put their faith in his teachings and anyone who would follow him. Anyone that believed in Jesus was the savior of the world. They would be cleansed from their imperfection and their sin. Jesus was slaughtered on the cross. His blood was smeared across the beam of wood that held him in the air, a sacrifice for the sins of the people. One purpose, to make ready anyone who would believe in him so that they may be reunited with God. Because only someone who was purified by the sacrificial blood of the lamb could even entertain relationship with with God once again. And for the first time in history, since Adam and Eve first sinned, was mankind able to become one with God. And with Jesus' sacrifice, now God can come down and dwell not just among us in our routine lives, but physically inside of our bodies. Our bodies cleansed by the blood may now, listen to this, may now become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Remember that picture that John offers to us. John clenched his witness with this. I watched the spirit like a dove flying down out of the sky, making himself at home in Jesus. Yes, 
In the very same way, once we choose to receive the forgiveness allowed to us through Jesus' sacrifice, then the Holy Spirit can descend and make himself home inside of us. Jesus provides the perfection. This was his purpose, to die and make us a ready home for the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to us in the middle of the mundane, and any of us who recognize him for who he truly is are able to see the fulfillment of what thousands of years of prophecy speak about. Now, my experience uh, with communion as a child was shaped mostly by my desire for freedom. And what I did not see or know at the time was that the very act of Jesus on the cross, the reason that we celebrate communion to begin with, was how I could actually understand freedom for real. See, we're, we're funny creatures, aren't we? You know, not seeing the truth that's right in front of us because we're so blinded by all the stuff. I spent seven years and, and tons of money just to study God. <laughs> And much of this never really even occurred to me. Regardless of how much I read, most of my faith was based on what I expected from God. So while I was in seminary, I had an opportunity to go on a mission trip uh, to Costa Rica. And um, even though I grew up in Texas, I never learned Spanish, even though it's like supposed to be handed out to everyone in school as part of the education. But I chose not to learn it, which created a really awkward bunch of situations for me when I was in Costa Rica. See, I served one church while I was there for six weeks. And and something that you should know about Costa Ricans is that they go to church about three times a week, and each service is about three hours long. And so the first several services that I was there serving, um, it reminded me much of my time as a child. You know, there was no interpreter. And uh, so I always had to make sure that I had a piece of paper to doodle on and and uh, draw more tanks and robots. I mean, you know, like deep spiritual transformation was taking place while I was there. Um, But then, one Sunday morning, I saw a pleasant sight. Oh, the communion elements were set out. And I thought, yippee, a short sermon and snacks. Just kidding. Um, No. Let, let Let me make this observation, though. Even though I was there as a missionary, I was still longing for some kind of routine, some pace of life that would help me to feel normal. I mean, don't we all do this, right? We long for the familiar, the comfortable, the common. And so when I walked into that sanctuary and I saw the communion plates up front, I had a childhood rush of excitement flow all over me. I was elated and, and, and I was looking forward to the short service and I wouldn't have to try and strain so hard for so long to understand what the preacher was saying. And I was right. The sermon was short, um, but what I hadn't anticipated was the difference in how the Costa Ricans handled communion. See, we're all familiar with the, you know, standard forms of communion, the sit and get, you know what that is, where, you know, the ushers will pass the plate with the elements and you take the bread and the cup and then you receive them. Or, or kind of what we do here where you come down front, you pray on the way, you get your elements and you go back to your seat and then you worship some more. Well, the Costa Ricans do it a little bit differently. <laughs> As I was in line waiting to receive the elements, I noticed something strange happening. Uh, no one was returning to their seats. They were walking forward up to the altar, receiving the elements, and then staying there for some reason. And, and one of the folks there in the church who could speak a little bit of English 
came to me and said, hey, just so you know, we come up to the altar so that we can wait and hear from God. And I thought, what? You know, you mean I have to wait up here until I hear from God? What if he doesn't speak to me? Are you going to ask me what he said? And I don't, what happens if I don't know? Uh, it was, my routine was shot. I was freaking out. And, and then God startled me. Now, this may so- seem odd, but um, even though I was there praying, after receiving communion, while at church on a Sunday morning, in a foreign country on a mission trip, I wasn't really looking for God in that moment. And so when he came, I was startled. Isn't it sad that when we should be the most ready for God to show up, when we should be the most curious about what God is going to do, when we should be the most engaged with his movement and his voice, we can still be focused on the simple routine of the day and miss him even though he's right there speaking to us. And forget about those other moments outside of the holy routine days. But remember, it was in the mundane, everyday world that Jesus came down to us and walked among us. And then later, he promised that if we would believe in him, then the Holy Spirit would come down and dwell not only among us, but in us. The power of God is not reserved just for the holy days or moments. Jesus came to redeem every last bit of our lives, every part of our mundane, routine worlds. He came to redeem. So God startled me. This was my experience. Let me tell you a little bit about it. I decided to kneel at the altar, and I remembered those moments when my dad would wrap my mom and sister and I up in his arms and pray for us. And, and I was always thankful for those prayers. And so when in Costa Rica, in that moment, I asked God to pray for me. And so I prayed to him, speak to me, God. And suddenly, I could see this picture in my mind. It was, it was of a throne that was glowing white, almost like crystal. And flowing from beneath it and between its legs was a river of fire uh, that was brilliant. It was a red river gushing forth from the throne and pouring down over a ledge. And, and I moved with this water fire as it flowed down out of the heavens and into the earth, past the clouds and the blue skies, rushing down to the earth. It poured through the roof of the sanctuary where I was kneeling, right where the altar was. And then this fire water filled up the building until it burst forth from the doors, pouring out into the streets and into the town. And then I opened my eyes and went back to my seat and I began to draw just what I had seen in my head because I knew for the first time in my life that I had seen something really important and I didn't want to lose it. And over the years, I've often thought about that vision of how uh, grateful I am that I had enough wits about me to ask God to speak to me in that moment of communion. I'm grateful because it's awesome to be able to communicate with God so clearly. So why don't we do it more? You know, he speaks to us all the time. Why do we lack the curiosity to think about what he's trying to tell us? Why don't we engage with him? Before I I tell you how the church responded to the vision that I had, 
uh, please let me just tell you another story. And this is, this is a relatively similar story. This is the story of Pentecost. This is 50 days after Easter, uh, which, by the way, like I said earlier, today is Pentecost Sunday. I'm going to read from the message, and this is Acts chapter 2. The words are going to be on the screen. You can follow along or you can read in your Bibles with you. When the feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. And when they heard the sound, they came on the run. Then when they heard one after another, their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on and kept saying, aren't all these Galileans? How how come we're hearing them talk in our various mother tongues, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, visitors from Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, immigrants from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, even Cretans and Arabs. They're speaking our languages, describing God's mighty works. Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make heads or tail of any of it. So they talked back and forth, confused. What is going on here? And then others joke, well, they must be drunk on cheap wine. And that's when Peter stood up and backed by the other 11, spoke out with bold urgency, fellow Jews, all of you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully and get this story straight. These people, they're not drunk off some wine, as as you may suspect. They haven't had time to get drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel announced would happen in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your young men will see visions and old men dream dreams. And when the time comes, I'll pour out my spirit on those who serve, men and women both, and they'll prophesy. I'll set wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billowing smoke and the sun turning black and the moon blood red. Before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous. And whoever calls out for help to me, God, they will be saved. See, these men and women who had been with Jesus after his resurrection and ascension into heaven, they're together. And at once the Holy Spirit falls on them, making his dwelling in them. And they begin speaking in different languages. And this, this event, this event, it's going on during a celebration when all the people from around would come and they would offer their harvest, their work, their routine, their daily work. They would offer it up to God and then the Holy Spirit pours over those who had been with Jesus and they begin talking about the wonderful things of God all for one purpose, to magnify God so that more people may be drawn to him for salvation. If you ever wonder, 
Why does any of this stuff exist? The, the odd manifestations of the Holy Spirit that we may see in church. If you ever wonder why they exist, understand that it's only to glorify God and so that more people can be drawn into worshiping him. Christ's life on earth is our model for how we should follow him. And upon his resurrection, we understand what we're to do with what we have learned from Jesus as his disciples. And then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is then what equips us for the work of the gospel. Do you remember John's description of Jesus' baptism? The Holy Spirit descended on him to empower him for the ministry that he was about to begin. Through Christ's work on the cross, his ministry, we can receive the same power as the Holy Spirit descends on us. This is exactly what happens at Pentecost. See, being a follower of God is simple. Our only goal is to glorify him. It's, it's, it's easy. We bring him glory when others are led to him. And we're empowered to lead others to him through the presence of the Holy Spirit. See, this is the good news. The bad news, though, is that to experience God, we have to be looking for him, even in the middle of our routine. No, no, no. Especially in the middle of our routine. So God gave me the chance to tell the church in Costa Rica about the vision that I had. And, and I'll be honest with you, I was scared out of my wits to do it. Um, but I remember that night that I shared it. I had this interpreter with me, and, and uh, she was relaying everything that I was saying to the church. And during my sermon, something weird happened. And I can remember what I was feeling and seeing to this day. See, as I would, sh- as I would share each part of that vision, I was getting some weird feedback from the church. You guys understand that when someone's up here speaking, how you respond to us kind of tells us where we're going, right? As I was sharing this vision, I was getting these weird stares from the people, kind of like I'm getting now. And, um, oh, no, you guys are great. Um, but it made me a little bit uncomfortable as I was watching them look at me, kind of odd. And, and the sweat really started to pour down as I watched the eyes of my interpreter. And, and, and as I got deeper into my vision, her eyes just started getting bigger and bigger. And, and then she was standing there almost flabbergasted and slack-jawed as I was saying these words. But I just kept on going. I kept on going. My internal monologue, though, was just going crazy. See, I thought that I may be offending the church with what I was saying because I'd heard all these stories about preachers who would come into uh, uh, like a context like Costa Rica on a mission trip and they would preach and they would say something that out of context could be taken the wrong way. And I thought I may be doing that, that I was about to create some kind of crazy controversy. But then when I finished, my interpreter pulls me aside and and she said to me, you know, I've got to talk to you, Jeremy. I'm thinking, "Uh uh-oh, what did I do? And just then, the pastor of the church came up to me and began to tell me how six months previous, an evangelist had come to the church and preached. And during that man's message, he told the congregation about a vision that he had for their church. And before the pastor could even finish what he was saying to me, my interpreter interrupted him and said, Every word that I had spoken in my vision was already preached by that evangelist six months previous. Every single word of it. I was, what? It was weird. 
We can measure the work of God in our lives by the fruit. And for me that day, I was able to see the fruit immediately. See, God is mysterious. And I I still don't really know exactly why God gave me that vision during communion. And, And I'm sure that the church in Costa Rica really needed that encouragement. And I'm glad that he did. See, ever since that communion, ever since that vision, this act of receiving the bread and the wine means so much more to me. When I see the elements set up now, I look forward to another opportunity to meet with God. Another chance to let him speak. Another chance to hear him. We celebrate the the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus because it's through his sacrifice that any of us are able to experience life with the Holy Spirit. Without Good Friday, without Easter, we couldn't have Pentecost. We couldn't have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We couldn't experience freedom even in the midst of our routine. Looking back on the story in Acts, take notice. Take notice of who God pours himself out on. See, he didn't choose to come to the priests in the temple. He didn't choose to come to any of the city council members. It wasn't the leaders in the important positions. It was to the common people. It was to the ones who were listening and following and engaged with God. And he chooses to fall on everyone who calls for his help. Salvation comes. The Holy Spirit comes in the middle of the routine. To the people who are grinding out their lives in the routine. To the people who are looking to God in the routine. He comes to those of us that are looking for him. To those of us who are curious and engaged. God moves in the middle of the mundane. Are you looking for what he's doing? Are you listening to how he's moving? So will you join me today in my new understanding of communion and recognize that not only what Jesus came to do, but to also celebrate today the fact that by his sacrifice, we can now encounter the power and the presence of the Most High God right in the middle of the routine because of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite you to come forward in a minute and receive communion. Receive it with the awareness that Jesus' work here in the midst of our mundane lives was done so that we can receive forgiveness for our sins. And by doing so, making us pure, making us righteous, justifying us, we become a place for the Holy Spirit to enter into our lives. So I want you to come forward this morning. But instead of going back to your seat after you've received the elements like we usually do, I'm going to ask that you might linger up here at the altar, this place where we come to meet with God, to wait for him, to listen to him. I'm going to ask that you would linger up here so that you might hear from God what he has to say to you. This is where we're going to pray today. This is where we're going to worship him up front. Now, I don't know what he might have for any of us 
this morning. But I do know that he's present here with us. He's speaking right now. He speaks to us all the time. So will you listen? Will you listen with me? Will you let the Holy Spirit speak to you today and follow his leading? Please come join me. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, we are so thankful for the power and the presence that you come with. And we pray that as you speak to us, we might glorify you in how we respond. We might glorify you in what we say, Lord, that you may have a freedom to flow and move here among us. Jesus, we thank you for the work that you did on the cross. We thank you for the ministry of your life coming down to us right in the middle of our mundane so that we can experience you, Lord, so that we can be redeemed and reunited with you. So we ask, come Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. Amen. Come, receive communion and wait to hear what the Lord may have for you. If you need prayer for something, I encourage you to find someone near you and ask for prayer. If you sense the Holy Spirit saying, ask me for it. Come, come now. I just, I encourage you, find someone near you and say, I, I need prayer for this. I need help with this. I need direction for this. Um, pray with me now. I encourage you now. We're going to keep worshiping. Let this be a time when you can just allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life. To move in your life. Church, as you go out today, I want to encourage you to just continue to ask yourself. No, I'm sorry. Ask God that question. Holy Spirit, how are you leading me in this moment? As you're driving home, Holy Spirit, how are you leading me in this moment? As you're making lunch for your family, Holy Spirit, how are you leading me in this moment? As you're meeting with your neighbors or mowing your lawn or getting ready for work tomorrow, Holy Spirit, how are you leading me in this moment? Now, church, go and be led by the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Join us at Quest as we walk with one another in friendship while discovering the reality and goodness of God together. For more information and service times, visit us online at go to quest.org.